Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start saving today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at Patreon.com slash Partners in Crime Media. This week's Lawn Owner Marathon winner is Rebecca Reber of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Rebecca will win a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at lawnorderpodcast.com. I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoy and Stuart Rice, and these are their stories. You think you know who did it, but you don't know who did it. Law and order, law and order, law and order. It's no ordinary Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each podcast will break down an episode from either Criminal Intent, SVU, or Original Recipe. And today we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 13, Episode 1, Scorched Earth. I knew she did not want me to stop. You knew? How? A man knows. Did she tell you that? No. It's uh, in a woman's eyes, no matter what the words say. Even if the word is no? Joining me to do just that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Slate's Mom and Dad Are Fighting podcasts, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca. Hello. I'm looking forward to the dance we're doing tonight, Kevin. It's always a slow dance. Ugh, or a, yuck. I shouldn't have made that joke. Some kind of dance. Ugh, ye- ye- And rounding out our panel is our special guest from the Sketch Comedy Podcast, Stuart Rice. Hello, Stuart. Hi, how are you? It's the Macarena. Let's face it, it's always the Macarena. (laughs) That's the best dance. Yeah, yeah. Now, your podcast is pretty unique. You do an interview with an interesting person, Mm -hmm. and then you create a comedy sketch based on what you talked about with that person. Yeah, that's correct. And it's uh, it, it always throws people off because I always tell them ahead of time what's going to happen. And you know how it is. Uh, sometimes people listen to your show before they get on the show. Sometimes they don't. But I've had a couple <laughs> really uh, like surprised people that were like, okay, so you're going to have like comedians come on and do this? No, we're doing it right now. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, my, my show is Sketch Comedy Podcast Show. And... Um, yeah, that that is basically the premise. It's interesting people, intriguing conversations, improvised comedy sketches. Yeah, so I guess you've also felt the fear of bringing somebody on and finding out they're not very funny. Uh, I, it's only <laughs> happened really once. Once has that ever happened? We're twice. Oh, then you're not a podcaster yet. Uh, you're not. You haven't earned your wings. No, he's just really good at yes and. He's like super good at. It. <laughs> 
Everybody else has to be good. That's <laughs> what I do in the morning. Um, I don't have hair, so I can just practice yes and the entire morning. Uh, no, Perfect. the thing is, is I tell people before they get on the show is don't try to be funny. That's that's not your job is to be funny. My job is to be funny. You just be interesting. And yeah. uh, going in with Some people that, can't do either. <laughs> so true. It is true. It is true. Stuart, of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite law and order detective team. The favorite detective team is actually from SVU. Uh, and it's it's Ice-T and... Uh, Munch. Yeah. Yeah, Richard Belzer. Yes. I love... Richard Belzer was so underutilized in that show, I felt. He's a hilarious guy. And you would know. <laughs> <laughs> and who's your favorite prosecutorial team? Favorite law and order district attorney prosecutorial team. You know, I... Just improvise. Yeah. <laughs> improvise, yeah. The one in this episode. No, I... Remember, you don't have to be funny, just interesting. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. I don't have to know anything about SVU. No, I actually, I don't know if I have a favorite prosecution team. I know I should. What happened to Yes And? Yes, yes. And. Okay, it's Bert and Ernie. Are Those two are so good. They play off of each other. And uh, no, I actually, I can't think of any... That really stick out. I am so sorry. <laughs> and scene. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, let's look at the first half of this episode, SVU Season 13, Episode 1, Scorched Earth. Now, we're going to be talking about fake detectives investigating fake sex crimes against fake people. If you still find that especially heinous, you may want to try another one of our episodes. We open on a snotty-looking Italian diplomat leaving a hotel just as an African immigrant working as a maid stumbles out of a room in distress. The assault victim tells Benson she spit out the evidence. That's where picked fresh from the Briar Patch rookie Amanda Rollins finds the spooge on the floor. Hey, great first day on the job. Mm. He, he, he put it in my mouth. He, he, he rolled my head so hard until he finished. And when I spit it out, he laughed. And, and he said, this is the difference between like and love. Miriam Dang says the assault reminded her of being gang raped by soldiers when she fled from the Sudan. Roberto D'Astasio is claiming diplomatic immunity because he was just golfing with the president. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> After Craig and tells Liv and Finn not to bring D'Astasio through a perp walk, they absolutely bring him through a perp walk. Who's going to prosecute him? Well, here comes Alex Cabot with her new boss, Mike Cutter. Hmm. And he totally did not get that job because NBC just canceled Mothership Law and Order. <laughs> Meanwhile, Olivia wants to know when her BFF Elliot is going to be back from being put on leave from last season's squad room shootout. Gregan says IAB is going to be looking at all of Stabler's past shootings, all six of them. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it wasn't a small number. No, no. With his uh, loving and very understanding wife by his side, Estacio is released, and a tabloid has a tape of Miriam telling another maid that she wants the rich diplomat to pay her. Hmm. Well, so much happens before the opening credits. First of all, we get to meet new recruit Amanda Rollins, walking in, making a first impression. Hmm. Captain Craigan. Excuse me? I'm Detective Amanda Rollins. You interviewed me last month. Well, you picked a hell of a first day. I'll fill you in later. You can fill me in now. Hey, stash that for me somewhere, hon. Thank you. Yes, and initially she has a super heavy southern accent for her first line, 
that completely disappears for the rest of the show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was like, maybe we should have done a different take. Right, right. And you know, the crazy thing is, is like, if I show up for the first day of work anywhere and they're like, hey, just get settled, I'm just going to get settled. I'm not like, <laughs> hey, let's get, yeah, let's get to the, to the rapey place and uh, work, work this case. I, I'm just going to go take my, she didn't even take her box to her desk. I know. Just put that down anywhere, honey. She's hey, like, oh, sweet. Give yeah. the box to a uni. Hey, rando, take my box and put it <laughs> on my desk. And he's like, I don't know who you are. Where do you sit? That guy's still walking around the precinct. She can't find her yeah. pencils. Yeah, that's funny because uh, Rollins basically says, take my box to everybody there. Oh, that's so <laughs> awful. Wait, can we just talk about one weird thing that happens when she sure. and Liv meet? Yeah. Well, Liv sort of like blows her off, which is fun. But mostly like we learn in that tiny little exchange that Liv is like a celebrity cop that people like study her work around the country. <laughs> that's news to me. Was that news to you, Kevin? Yeah, I guess, you know, in all the time she has not being a mother, she's traveling to seminars <laughs> talking about rapists. <laughs> and we never saw this. Yeah, we didn't know she was the Captain Kirk of, uh, of Special Victims <laughs> Unit. <laughs> they're so enamored. Well, look, while they're gathering evidence, Finn and Munch go to JFK and they pull Distasio off the plane. Mm. So basically it means it's quicker to get to a Manhattan hotel and find a mouthful of scoat meal than it is to drive to the airport. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> yeah, the charges weren't the only substantial thing here. No. <laughs> <laughs> also, just let those two guys walk on the plane and arrest that dude. They weren't like air marshals. They were just like. New York City cops? Yeah. Why don't they just flash a badge and like, we're getting on this plane to Italy? <laughs> At first we go through security? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like they should have to buy a ticket too, don't you think? <laughs> so we have a crossover. 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 Uh, from Law & Order Original Recipe, it's ADA Mike Cutter, mm. played by English actor Linus Roach. He's English? He's English. I had no idea. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no idea. NYPD. Did their job, Mr. Fidele. And I have to let my office do ours. Is there any like clip of him like actually talking with his real voice that I can hear? Uh, yes, in a lot of uh, movies. Yeah. And he's, but all of his uh, American acting work has been television. Work. Wow. He brought uh, his character from Law and Order, which was on for two seasons. The last two night seasons, nineteen and twenty, on Law and Order, he did cross over to SVU four times. Can't say I'm like really. I guess I am kind of a little excited to see somebody like from, you know, Law and Order surviving. It's like, <laughs> you know, it's like all of a sudden there goes a life raft and, and like, oh, yeah, that guy got fired from that show. But here he is again. But he had like he was just like the no man in this episode. Like he had no part to play. It felt so contractually obligated to me. It didn't feel like he was actually on the show. Yeah, Stuart, you must have been upset that there wasn't a lot of yes and from him. <laughs> yeah, no, no. In fact, uh, and he's an amazing improviser. I don't know if you knew that. No. No, really? I just improvised that entire line. I've, <laughs> that guy is so familiar, and I have no idea why. I've seen him in like a million things, but I couldn't, I couldn't, I actually have been sitting here going, Linus Roach? <laughs> yeah, I right. can't think of where else I've seen him, but I've seen him. I don't know. Very I often. think his, the, mo the biggest thing he's been in recently was Homeland. Oh, that's On Showtime, right. he played the chief of staff to that's right. Elizabeth Marvel. Yes, um, the one the who was messing president. around with the spy. Yes. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> He's also Batman's dad. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's right. right. He is in Batman Begins. He yes. is not Bruce Wayne, but Bruce Thomas, Wayne's dad. Thomas, Thomas Wayne. Thomas Wayne. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Wayne Sr. 
Bruce Wayne Sr. <laughs> That's right. He insisted on going to the theater, and it just didn't work out. Yeah, There's yeah. no Wayne like a uh, dead but- Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> His character's like, okay, you know, he certainly was at a disadvantage where he is replacing, in some fashion, Jack McCoy, Sam Waterston's character, is like, okay, I'm going to take the load here on all of these, uh, prosecu- you know, all the, the prosecution parts of the show. Yeah. And kind of like what we see when um, we lose Barba or we lose uh, Briscoe, that the audience isn't like always so welcoming of that new character. Yeah. But also there's something I mean, can I ask you a question about timelines? Because yeah. I'm making some assumptions here based on some other episodes that old episodes that I saw this weekend. Right. Isn't this when Cabot comes back from the dead? This is like her second run. As- uh, no, she was back uh, she's been back a, a while they, right. there is an offhanded comment like Alex welcome back to the concrete jungle thank you how was the Congo pray for them but that would happen after she yeah, like, faked her own faked death, her own death and, yeah, came back. Yeah. and she is so thin no it's not, not just that but like she's so much more of a like a, a lead presence like mm-hmm. as a lawyer in the episodes when she comes back I saw another one this weekend which also had like a weird African refugee subplot which apparently they really wanted to do in this season of law and order um but she also is like cutter is unnecessary he's really just there to create obstacles so there can be filler scenes with dialogue like stephanie march is in charge of those legal scenes for sure oh sure yeah and she looks amazing long hair whole deal amazing Stuart, do you think perhaps it's possible that dick wolf was contractually obligated to give linus rocha a couple of uh extra scenes somewhere along the way and that's why he wound up here. I don't know. Dick Wolf is actually a big poker player, but he's not very good. Oh. So I think that that's exactly what happened is in a backroom deal. There was a there was a hand dealt that didn't go Dick Wolf's way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he thought he was like, oh, I'm all flush with sixes. And boom. All of a sudden, Roach. Straight flush. Yeah. Hey, we have a, hey, it's that guy. Hmm. Hey, it's that guy. Again, in this episode, we have Ron Rifkin. As asshole lawyer Marvin Exley, we just had him on uh, about two episodes ago. My client's release on bail is the first act of due process since this whole charade began. But do you guys know who the actor is playing Roberto DeSasio? No. Nope. Nope. That's Franco Nero? These waters, I mean, are very deep, Mr. Exley. I trust no one. Uh, he has been in 200 plus, he's got 200 plus acting credits, mostly in Italian cinema and spaghetti westerns with John Huston, including the Django. Really? Oh. Well, that's, I think it's just Django, the yeah. 1960s version, but he wasn't actually in the Django Unchained because I think they just. Wait, he's really Italian and he was also in spaghetti westerns? Yes. <laughs> yes. But, but he like does, a, that's amazing. he does have a pretty high profile. He played Lancelot in the movie version of Camelot huh. across from Richard Burton. And Guinevere was played by Vanessa Redgrave. Hmm. And he later married Vanessa Redgrave. Wow. He is the stepfather of the late Natasha Redgrave. Wow. Hmm. And he also dated uh, Catherine Deneuve. Goldie Hawn and Ursula Andress. So I, Jesus. Can, I can definitely see why he's someone who thinks he can sling the date. <laughs> I, yeah, this uh, this uh, role wasn't very difficult for him. Yeah, yeah. He's like telling the the maid, he says, "Be careful with that. It's been touched by many important actresses." I mean, those are some of the most beautiful women in the history of Hollywood. Yeah, Ursula Andress in particular. Meow. Yeah. Well, you should. You, if you have seen like any of him. 
from the late 60s when he was doing all these shows, you know, he was doing the Camelot, he has these very piercing blue eyes mm. and mm. a very sort of classic kind of 50s, 60s kind of square jaw. He looks like an, you know, a movie a star man. of his time. Yes, yes, exactly. He doesn't look like a hey, it's that guy. Is that what you're saying? Because he is a totally a hey, it's that guy. It's totally. Well, if you even remember him at all. Yeah, I think. You know, he'd be very pleased and you could ask him about his Golden Globe. <laughs> that's right. You couldn't tell any other way unless he looks at you, though, because it's the eyes that that's what does it. <laughs> that's yes. It's all in the eyes, actually. Yeah, definitely all in the eyes. Uh, and we also have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey, it's that girl. Uh, we have first of all, we also have uh, Jenna Stern playing Judge Elena Barth. Given the relevance of this witness's testimony, I'm going to allow it. She's a hates that girl because she's been on SVU 16 times wow, good for as her. this judge. She was the judge who got shot in the courtroom by Johnny D. Mm, yeah. And that. And this season, she was the one who set up her also a judge lover who was running a brothel. Yes. So very realistic. Sorry, <laughs> uh, But do either of you recognize the maid, Miriam Deng? Nope. No. I have a right to make this man pay. He is rich. Living in a mansion when you told me he would be in prison. That's Tony Award winner Anika Noni Rose. Wow. If she sounds familiar, it's yeah. because she played the princess in the Disney movie The Princess and the Frog. Yeah. But you probably have seen her in Dream Girls. Yeah. You know how there's Beyonce and Jennifer Hudson and Any another other girl one? you've never seen before? <laughs> That's her. <laughs> <laughs> She's like the third, um, the other one who's not Michelle Williams or Beyonce. Yeah. <laughs> we keep having the people who are in the giant ensemble and they're like, who's that other one? Uh, didn't I just see him on SVU the other day? The way Anika is uh, from Connecticut. So I don't know. What do you think about her Sudanese accent? I wouldn't know, but she seemed fine to me. Yeah. I could, I could tell the, I could tell from the sub accent. That she was from Connecticut. <laughs> okay, Henry Higgins. I appreciate that. I'm like, though, but he, me, I, me, I'm like, okay, so you, she, she's playing Sudanese. He's playing Italian. Roach is playing American. Rollins is playing Southern. There's so many fake accents on this show. And Olivia is once again speaking Italian in this episode, just showing off that she can do that Oh, one she's reading thing. off a fucking card, you know that. No, lei sicuro che non vuol parlare. But she obviously Mariska Hargitay can speak Italian because this is like the second episode we've talked about in recent weeks where she's pulled out that random skill. When did she get acquire that? Is it like the Matrix? And they just <laughs> took her in the back. <laughs> <laughs> so Rollins shows that she's going to be the sexy, smart character yeah. here. So she sneaks into Destacio's cell and talks him up like what it's like to be a pretty girl. In some places, a man is praised for the scope of his passions. In other places, it's seen as a weakness. Weakness is repellent to women and anathema to success. I wish it was the same for women. Weakness. Most men are turned on by weakness. Ah, but it is not a woman's weakness. The dance, the fantasy that she has relinquished something, that is her power. The parry holds as much power as the trust. She's not a femme fatale. She's not really a slutty person, but she does okay, don't have. Use the word slutty <laughs> for well, somebody well, who is, embraces their sexuality. What well, the that's fuck, what I meant. Kevin? No, I was trying to say. <laughs> I was getting to that. You didn't let me get through the punctuation. Nothing wrong with being slutty. I, nothing wrong with being. She owns her sexuality. She does. She does. She likes yeah. to put it out there. Yeah, but in a way, but like on TV a lot, when you have a woman that that's 
owns her sexuality. Usually they have her like in low cut dresses and she's all no, flirty. Yeah, and stuff. they don't and do her that way. She seems like a regular. Yeah. See, here's what they do with Rollins. Her character is defined by, and this episode actually like sets it up in a way that I was really surprised to see this was her first episode and how consistent. There are a couple of things, even though we have noted on this show, she randomly becomes like a computer expert at one point. She has all these <laughs> other expertise that sort of fold in. But consistently, and in this episode, she lays it out there. She's very smart. We see her put the coin on the floor for scale next to the blood thing, which for some reason, like, none of the actual crime scene techs thought to do. Oh, is that how you do it in Atlanta? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> exactly, yes. exactly. No banana for scale. Uh, but then also, like, initially there's that sort of, like, Olivia shade, and then Olivia immediately was like, oh, she's smart. Like, she helped solve the case. Uh-huh. But she makes bad choices. Like, that's her whole thing. Is She's not, like, somebody who embraces her sexuality and puts it out there. Like, Rollins is just known for coming from a place it's kind of trashy, like self-described that she talks about. We meet her trashy sister. We meet her trashy mother. And she is just in a pattern of making bad choices. So I don't think that the multiple pregnancies or whatever have anything to do with her being a vixen. They have more to do with her just like not putting in her diaphragm they, or whatever. Yeah, they, they have more with Kelly Giddish actually wanting to have a family and it'd be an inconvenience to yes, the show that she's right, on. That's Absolutely. right. Mariska had the, had the uh, you know self-respect to get pregnant in between seasons. Kelly Giddish did not. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> yeah. And, and contractual obligations for, I guess, keeping your knees together. I don't know. Ah, I'm not, I'm not a professional it. actress. Stop me, uh, too. Uh, Jesus, Kevin. <laughs> Stuart, what did you think of her little talk with the Italian diplomat about gender roles? Like, uh, she's, you know, what was your take on that? Uh, when you think about what we talk about with the Me Too movement and all that, I loved, I loved that scene. Uh, I might be alone in that from the silence, but I enjoyed <laughs> <No>. it. <laughs> I liked it too. I liked it too. I also had questions. A, right. why did she think congealed lasagna would work on an Italian guy? Uh, B, <laughs> well, no, because the play, because she's new to New York, that's true. right? And so, yeah. it's, and and it's just like if you see like world's greatest cup of coffee, you assume that that's, <laughs> that's a good true. cup of yeah. coffee. That's true. But yeah, that was the world's greatest lasagna. That's what the thing in Manhattan said. So that's what that's true. Yeah. I totally get it. Number two, why did she leave the cell door open? I mean, come on, it's just super unprofessional. <laughs> and three, like, well, he, she knows he's not going to make a break for it now. That he's got lasagna. What was she going to do if he did confess to something? She wasn't recording it. There were no other officers present. There was no like legal pad. There was no video up. camera. Yeah. Like she was actually doing something super freaking shady. And he did say to her, I think very rightly, after he made that disgusting um, expression, "What the the parry holds as much power mm-hmm. as the thrust." Ew. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, I actually wrote that down. It's gross. <laughs> but then he did say to her, "Like I'm gonna get you fired." And I was like, "Yeah, he probably fucking did yeah. get her fired for yeah. doing this shit." Maybe that works in Atlanta, but not here, not in America, guys. Not in America. Well, they do eventually release Destasio, and when they do, and he comes out of the courthouse, he's met by a group of professional hotel maids who are protesting. <laughs> I got to know, how did all these women get the time off? And why are they there in their maid uniforms? In their maid uniforms? <laughs> well, so you know. Yeah, there's no question. And in fact, contractually, if I'm not mistaken, in New York City, not the state, but in the city, they actually have an ordinance that you have to always dress like the thing that you do. Uh, right, okay. In case you need to clean at a moment's notice. So the doormen are just walking <laughs> around on Thanksgiving Thanksgiving Day, like having dinner with their family dressed as doormen. And... You, well, you know that they have to. Yes, they have to. It's ob- yeah. obligated to by law. And they also have to open doors. <laughs> <laughs> Not on my day off, lady. You got to get that door yourself.
But I gotta say, you know, all those maids, it's close to three o'clock. And is this why I can't get an early check in? It is. Because they're all protesting? It is. That's why. That's the only reason why. <laughs> also, you wanted that non smoking room. So there's that. Yeah, I wanted the non spooge room, too. Ugh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit Sling.com to see your offer. Sling. Let's look at the second half of this episode. Cutter and Cabot are not pleased with the news story about Miriam wanting millions of dollars from Destacio, and they're losing faith in their rape victim. So, you think she's angling for a payday? She says no, but X's team will claim extortion. Even on the tape, her story of the rape is consistent all the way through. These cases are about perception, not reality. She's compromised. Oh, they're digging up everything they can on her. What about him? A maid in Buenos Aires accuses Destacio of assault. Meantime, the defense digs up that Miriam has a prostitution arrest, which she didn't disclose on her asylum application. Fearing their victim has lost her credibility, Cutter says the DA wants to drop the charges. But Cabot calls out his manhood and he caves like the little bitch we know he is. (laughs) On the stand, Miriam is forced to admit to her past lies. And her rape story sounds too rehearsed for even Benson. Destacio testifies he and the maid had consensual sex, after which she asked for money. The defense flies a guy in from Sudan who says he made up the gang rape story for Miriam to strengthen her asylum application. So who to believe? The jury is deadlocked on the rape charge but find the diplomat guilty on a lesser charge. Cragen summons Benson into his office. He says rather than going through yet another IAB investigation and counseling, Elliot Stabler has submitted his retirement papers. Benson takes the news stoically, but then finds an empty room to have herself a good cry. All right, so let's start with Cutter. He says he doesn't see a win. Was he wrong? Uh, No, he wasn't wrong, but how did Alex get that turned around? When the jury hears her story, they are going to come back guilty on all counts. She's heartbreaking, but doesn't mean that she's telling the truth. Olivia, I believe her. I heard thousands of stories just like hers when I was in Africa. It's not getting that far. The new DA wants to drop the charges. Like Alex said to him, yeah, we're doing this, and he was just like, okay. Like, how did that happen? Because wasn't he telling her that somebody above him, Jack McCoy... Didn't want to do the case? Yeah. And but, so what he what did Cutter do? He went back to the office and was like, listen, Alex says we have to do it, so I guess we're doing it. And Jack McCoy was like, all right, I guess we're doing it. Is that how that worked? Yeah, he's like, Cutter again with this? <laughs> I can't even. I told you to do one fucking thing. <laughs> <laughs> the case did suck for the prosecution, though. It did. It did. Even though oh, totally. I, you know, totally believe that the woman was a victim of this Italian dude, Olivia randomly like turned on me for a minute there. It was fucking weird. I don't know how many episodes of SVU that you've watched in your life, Stuart, but you have to know that if Olivia Benson wonders whether you're a victim, you are fucked. (laughs) That is so true. She is like, she definitely has like, uh, she can smell it on you. Yeah. 
No, that's not a that's not pleasant to say. Let's, <laughs> let's find a different expression. But she knows she does. She does have like that sixth sense. That... Yeah. So let's get to the trial here. Uh, first off, we'll start with Miriam on the stand. When he finished, he he pushed me away. I, I crawled to the sink and. It's okay. What happened then? I spit it out. It tastes like poison. Which is funny because I always heard it tasted like almonds. Oh, uh, no. It's not almonds. It's like bleach. I, oh, like bleach? <laughs> I think it depends on what you've eaten that day. Yeah. Oh. No. I was told to eat a lot of pineapple, yep. but I don't know if that actually works. I'm, I don't I know. No idea. She's not wrong. It does taste like poison. She's not wrong. It tastes like poison? Okay. Yeah. Knuckle chowder tastes like poison? Oh, God. For fuck's sakes, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> baby batter? Baby batter, yeah. That's <laughs> a baby batter there. Uh, yeah, so. Uh, Although knuckle chowder might become the new name of my band. (laughs) (laughs) So the defense does press her pretty hard on her story. They pretty much try to catch her in several lies, and I think they did a good job sort of ruining her credibility. Stuart, what do you think? Oh, totally. And here's a question I've got is, um, why is it every victim in every one of these shows does everything they possibly can to make it hard for the prosecution? <laughs> like everything, like they never disclose all the information. No, I'm telling you everything is the truth. And then you always find out like, oh, but you forgot to tell us about this uh, prostitution charge. Right. You know, it's like, why is it that all the victims in these shows are like that? Is that like that in real life? I have no idea. <laughs> well, you may find out a little later. Uh, <laughs> but then the prosecution gets its turn talking to Distasio, and his defense is such that uh, I know what a woman likes, oh. and uh, oh, her mouth may say no, but her eyes say yes. Women see power. They find it attractive. You mean they like it rough? Objection. Sustained. I ask because in evidence 407 and 408, the jury saw photographs of Ms. Dang's bruised forearms and scraped knees. Do you consider those injuries to be a normal part of consensual sex? The dance is different every time. <sighs> I can't even with this yeah. fucking guy. I can't. Now, I mean, we get a second, like, scene of Olivia speaking Italian in this part of the episode, right, where she's, like, investigating him. Yeah. Like, sort of showing off on the phone or Italy or whatever. But I can't. I just can't with that. I just can't. And by the way, like, he's on its face a bad guy. Like, right? Like, doesn't everyone in the courtroom see when he says that and then other things that he's actually, like, a really fucking bad guy? Uh, I don't know. Did you pick up that he was a bad guy, (laughs) sir? Well, I think in the credits right at the beginning of the show, it said bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, (laughs) with his name. Um, Yeah. He definitely he definitely plays up that entire like patriarchal, like everybody needs to hate this person. Like there's not a person in the room that actually doesn't hate them. They're just afraid of them. You know, you get that vibe from them. Yeah. And so, you know, he already like switches his alibi, which was that it never happened to it was consensual. Yes, he basically confesses on the stand, though. The dance is different. I'm like, is that a confession? It seemed like he basically was confirming what Miriam said. Like, he confessed, and everyone looks still worried. I'm like, what are you guys worried about? Like, he just said he did it. Everybody still seems so worried. Yeah. Stuart, I don't think he would say those things if they didn't actually work for him. Yeah, you might be right. Um, I, 
maybe. I know they don't work for anybody else, so maybe it's just his eyes are that piercing. <laughs> and you just have to parry with your eyebrows, I guess. I don't know. You can't I, thrust with piercing? Them. No, it was thrusting. <laughs> That's right. I, there was one thing that surprised me about this episode that they didn't do, because Law and Order of today is super, like, weirdly has a very strange relationship with like Islam and extremist like Mm -hmm. Muslim beliefs and like has this very like you know forward thinking liberal stuff on the one hand but on the other hand is like totally trying to relate to like conservative America's fears about anything different like we hear in the conversations they have on the prosecution side that she was a victim of Sharia law Mm -hmm. but they don't say that in court and that totally would have fucking worked if they said that in court at least in every other episode of SVU it would have worked if they said that in court Oh, yes. They would have been more sympathetic to her. Yeah, they would have totally played up on like the fear of the other, which is something that this show like loves to do. Mm-hmm. But they didn't say that in court. They didn't. I yeah. don't know why. Because it's a fake show. <laughs> <laughs> you have to remind me of that sometimes. It's true. How uh, betrayed do you f- are you when you find out that your friend that you've been confiding in has been recording every single conversation you've ever had? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that, bitch. <laughs> I know some good lawyers. They will hook you up with a fat civil suit. How much do you think I can get? I want to take millions from him. <laughs> no kidding. Where was she hiding this tape recorder? How long was the tape? You don't go, oh, uh, we're having a conversation about this thing. Okay, let me go get my tape recorder and record it. Like, you had to have already been recording if I am if I know how tape recorders work. That's yeah, right. she's like the Michael Cohen of maids. She's like the Linda Tripp of maids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like she's got a tape library at home where she's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I don't remember what that, uh, what that recipe was <laughs> for that goulash that someone was telling me about. Oh, yeah, and here's the thing where that my friend admitted that she was uh, blackmailed. <laughs> and then the other thing I noticed was uh, the story was, you know, I, 12 men raped me. And then the story goes, well, the guy, guy gets on the stand and says, oh, no, I made up that story. You know, it wasn't 12 men. But it was still one man. <laughs> I feel like that's still pretty traumatic and should take some precedence. It's like when you're a maid and you're in the hotel when you're talking, does that like a fish story? Like, oh, I had a 48-inch fish. And it's like, no, I had a 56-inch fish. And it's like, oh, when I was in the Sudan, I got raped by one person. Oh, yeah? Well, I got raped by two. And it just kept going? And then it just keeps escalating to that point. Like, And yeah, so on. Awful. And so um, on. It's... <laughs> But I think exactly. it's exactly how it worked out in the writer's room. Everyone's like, Bob, I'm going to say that she was raped by a, a soldier. And, and Bob goes, hey, why not just make it 12 soldiers? <laughs> <laughs> You're right. That would work better. Yeah. Yeah. I smell an Emmy. <laughs> All right. Craig and Benson fight over the conspicuously absent stabler. You're just going to give him up? You know me better than that. He's like a son to me. I've been pushing as hard as I can. I just don't know how it's going to shake out. What does that mean? That means if Elliot wants to keep his job, he's going to have to submit to a psych eval, anger management, a lot of hoops. And he'll tell him to go to hell. So let's remind everyone where Stabler is. It's at the end of season 12. A 16-year-old girl named Jenna Fox brought a gun into the squad room and shot the suspects who killed her mom. She shot street None, Sister Peg. Yeah. And Elliot had to cut her down before she could shoot anyone else. And the episode closes on his 
shocked face. Well, he has kids, you know. He has kids. They inform everything and a family. He feels. And he's like, fuck, that was number six. <laughs> uh, 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 but it's really because Chris Maloney and NBC couldn't come to terms on a new contract. So I am going to submit that this moment is when SVU becomes the show it is today, which is a completely different show than it had been in the 12 previous years. I agree with you. Mm-hmm. Watching a lot of old episodes lately with Chris Maloney, however, that doesn't mean they weren't stupid a lot of the time because they were really fucking stupid a lot of the time. Sure. But it definitely becomes the Olivia Benson Mariska Hargitay hour after Chris Maloney leaves for sure. I think about this a lot because the show really is around her now. When he left, they did try to pair her up with people and it just didn't right. fly. It didn't fly at all. Right. But Stuart, if you're lead character leaves and he's like he's like a pair your lead actor leaves you double down on your lead actress or do you bring in another lead actor and hope to you know make the best of it uh well i think you uh, already have a talent there uh, i double down yeah unless you've got somebody in the wings like if you find out you have justin timberlake you make justin timberlake work but i don't think that they're going to get that on svu yeah they got danny <laughs> pino so that <laughs> 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 uh, with, uh, with even more fake accents. Yes. Uh, oh, beautiful. Okay, so can I explain my retcon theory? Sure. This is, you know, we talk about retroactive continuity. It's a sort of thing where writers will go back and explain away Richie Cunningham's older brother. He never had a brother, right? They just, right, explain, right. Right? Yeah, yeah. They just move on, uh, something like that. Or add extra Huxtable siblings that Act, weren't exact, there before. Yes, exactly. Now you yes. have five. So that's called retconning. And, or, yeah, or explaining that um, that uh, Ben Stone had a son named Peter. Oh, he who, fucking didn't. That yeah. was stupid. Was stupid. Anyway. <laughs> okay, so why would Elliot Stabler never get in touch with Olivia Benson again? Exactly. Okay, so... We're, I guess, left to believe that he is just, you know, had enough of being a cop and that he's just abandoning all of his friends, especially Olivia. He won't take her calls. Um, you know, this is somebody that uh, they were too close at one point. They cared too much about each other in a professional way. My retcon would be that in this period, this leave, that they got together and had sex oh. and had an affair and broke hmm. it up. And that is why he cannot see her and why she cannot see him. Because his wife won't let him? Because, I don't know, because he is uh, guilt-wracked. There's only so many times he can go to confession. It just seems like it's the only, it seems like that'd be a much better explanation as to why he's left your life forever. It's weird that they never speak again. It's weird, especially yeah. because even after Munch retires, like he still babysits for her. Like it's weird. Yeah. Because she was also friends with his wife. Right. Like there was that scene where like she was driving his wife to the hospital and they got into the accident. Like she was friends with his wife. She knew his kids. Like they were close. It is weird that they never spoke again. I don't think that's a terrible theory, but I think that the show loves Stabler, the uh perfect dad martyr so much uh -huh. that I think that the writers want us to believe that he was just so tortured that seeing Olivia would remind him of the thing he left behind. Yeah. So I do love the way that um, Cragen breaks the news to her. Like, I love the whole, like, calling her to the office and was it Munch saying, like... Nice working with you. <laughs> and he's just, like, it's, like, so belaboring. It's, like, close the door. And it's, like, ah, oh, it's coming. Yeah. And they really drag it out in a way that feels like something's about to happen. Right. Can you shut the door, please? 
Elliot put his papers in. There was nothing I could do. He's earned it. And then some. You want to talk? No. You want to take a day? I'm fine. Liv. I'm sorry. Everybody knows Stabler isn't coming back because he wasn't in the opening credits. That's right. And everybody knows Benson is about to get fired because she is in the opening credits. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Have you heard? Sling TV offers the news you love for less. Hey, wait, you look and sound just like me. I am you. I'm the same news programs on Sling TV for less. You mean you're me, but for less money? A lot less. I'm all the favorite news programs and more on Sling TV, starting at just $40 a month. Everything great about me, but for less money? Which makes me greater, don't you think? Get the news you love and more for less. Start Start saving saving today. today. Visit sling.com to see your offer. Sling. CIDP disrupts. CIDP derails. Let's be honest. CIDP sucks. But living with CIDP doesn't have to. When you sign up at shiningthroughcidp.com, you'll find inspiration and real patient stories. Helpful tips, reliable information, and more. CIDP can be tough. But finding hope just got a little easier. Sign up at shiningthroughcidp.com. Be heard, be hopeful, be you. All right, let's take a look at the real-life story that inspired this episode. It's time for Ripped from the Headlines. You think you know who did it. You think you know who did it. But you don't know who did it. You don't know who did it. Ripped from the Headlines. This episode is inspired by the rape accusations of a New York hotel maid against a French diplomat. In 2011, police pulled Dominic Strauss-Kahn off an airplane minutes before takeoff to Paris. The head of the International Monetary Fund had been accused of assaulting the cleaning lady at the Manhattan Hotel he just checked out of. The maid, Nota Sophie Dalio, was a refugee from Guinea awaiting asylum in the US. She said Strauss-Kahn had attacked her in the hotel room she attempted to clean. She picked him out of a lineup and provided DNA evidence of the encounter. The French politician admitted having a sexual encounter with the maid, but said it was consensual. The criminal case began to fall apart as police looked closer at Diallo's story. She changed details about the attack, admitted making up a story about gang rape on her asylum application, and was recorded in her native language telling family members about Strauss-Kahn's considerable wealth. No longer convinced of her credibility, prosecutors dropped charges against Strauss-Kahn. Diallo filed a civil suit against a French politician, which he settled in 2012 for one and a half million dollars. Wow. Well, this rip from the headlines pretty much was point for point. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's (laughs) slightly inspired by, I think they just took um, a Word document and went find, replace. French, Italian. French, Italian. Italian. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Strauss-Kahn, Dostasio. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow. That's, imp- that's kind of, it's actually kind of impressive because SVU is just so bad at that. Like, they usually, like, take the right turn halfway through the episode. You know, they really saw this one through. I got to give them credit <laughs> so for they that. They didn't go anywhere. The only difference, of course, is that uh, they didn't go to trial in real and life. And he got away with it except for the civil suit, which, one and a half million dollars is a lot of money for yeah. someone who allegedly didn't do it. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> well, 
he, we we know that he did something. Yeah, yeah, probably. Right, right. Uh, so Strauss Kahn, this also was kind of touched on very briefly in the SVU episode. Strauss Kahn blamed his political enemies in France for setting him up in New York. He was a Japan. He said Sarkozy was behind it. Yes, not Berlusconi. Not Berlusconi. Wow. Uh, he is. Uh, his nickname is Chaud Le Pen, which means hot rabbit. <laughs> That's his nickname. <laughs> Chaud Le Pen. I Listen, love it. Listen, if it even if it if it didn't belong to a, like a probable rapist, it'd be a fucking great nickname. He is an infamous ladies' man, Ugh. and so he survived this this sex scandal. But do you know about his other sex scandal? Nope. No, please do tell. All right. Well, there was sort of a minor one before that, minor in the sense that when you look at everything here, the first one was he was accused uh, at the IMF for sexually harassing an underling. Yeah. But after this whole thing went down in New York, he went back. He went on trial in France for his role in a prostitution ring. Wow. Police and other officials were accused of providing hookers for afternoon orgies at luxury hotels. Wow. And he was charged with aggravated pimping. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually, it's not illegal to to purchase a prostitute in France. You mean but to pay for sex? To pay for a sex, sex worker? It, it is illegal to procure. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, you know, so whatever the difference mm. is there. Uh, but Chaud uh, Le Pen, he admitted to taking part in group sex, but he said he didn't know the women were prostitutes. Mm. And this was his defense, and I swear to God, he said he never paid for it. Wow. So basically, he's like the Bob Kraft of French politics. Kind of. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and I wonder, you know, actually, in this whole thing, and I don't know if this is true for in the real life story, but if he'd have just given her $10,000, like, that would have been done, right? It, pro- it pretty much would have been, yeah. Wow. I, I feel like if I'm uh, in charge of the monetary fund, especially if I'm in charge of the monetary fund, I just go, oh, $10,000, no problem. You take a check. I think the monet- uh, the International Monetary Fund probably has a line item. Probably. Which is just labeled show Le Pen. It's one of his perks. Yeah. It's- <laughs> exactly. It's for paying off the lady. He negotiated that when, when he took the position. Oh, my God. He was acquitted also on the prostitution yeah. ring charge. Yeah. Look, after he was acquitted... An anti-prostitution organization in France appealed his acquittal, and he had to pay that group $11,000. The fuck? I just do not get the European justice system. Neither do I. <laughs> You're That's found fantastic. innocent? Well, I'm going to appeal that, and if I win, you got to pay me. Or like in Italy, if I win, you have to go actually to jail. You can appeal your acquittal there, too. That's bananas. I know. It's not like a civil lawsuit. It's the appeal of an acquittal. It's fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? And that's the legal term for it, actually. <laughs> it's totally fucked up. That's going to do it for us. We want to thank our guest, Stuart Rice. Stuart, where can our listeners follow you online? Oh, they can go to uh, Twitter and follow me at, at SketchComPod or at StuPock. They can go, actually, the best way to do it is just go to SketchComedyPodcastShow.com. And you can get all the links and all of the good stuff right there. And Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Reb Lavoy. And you can track me on Twitter at Kevin P. Flynn. You can also tweet to us at Law and Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was Cy Freider. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Line editing by Henry Lavoy. Content assistance from Travis Roy and Lily Flynn handles promotions. 
To get ad-free episodes of These Are The Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. Get your first month free at stitcherpremium.com slash crime. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for criticism and commentary. Special thanks to the elite squad of the Law & Order Wiki community for preserving the evidence. If you want to know what episodes we're talking about in our upcoming shows, go to lawandorderpodcast.com. Sign up for our newsletter for a chance to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These Are Their Stories was recorded in the yoga loft above the bodega in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi studio. It is a production of Partners in Crime Media. Partners in Crime Media. CIDP disrupts. CIDP derails. Let's be honest. CIDP sucks. But living with CIDP doesn't have to. When you sign up at ShiningThroughCIDP.com, you'll find inspiration and real patient stories. Helpful tips, reliable information, and more. CIDP can be tough. But finding hope just got a little easier. Sign up at ShiningThroughCIDP.com. Be heard. Be hopeful. Be you.